Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast. I am your host, Sam Valentine, bringing you an honest account of actor life plus a few lessons I learned in the process. I am so excited to be bringing you today's guest episode as our first guest of season nine. America Young is an incredible director, voice performer, stunt coordinator, producer, all-around storyteller, and sitting down with her just gave me so much joy. On today's episode, we are going to sit down and talk about her career, what it's like to wear so many different hats in the industry, how she prepares to direct a TV episode, which I think is super interesting, and there is a lot we can steal from this for our own personal information as actors auditioning for episodic TV, her advice for actors in different areas, and how she balances everything while also raising her four-year-old daughter. America has so much to share, and her career spans so many different categories that she has more than just her directorial side to share, although you might be familiar with some of the shows she's worked on, like Legacy. Roswell or Blindspot, perhaps. She is also the voice of Barbie and a stunt coordinator at the same time. She is so multifaceted. You guys are going to love her and you should steal all the tidbits you can from this podcast episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And without further ado, please enjoy America Young. I am so excited after many months of trying to get a hold of her because she is just so busy to finally talk to America Young. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thanks so much. I'm really glad that it finally worked out. I know this, this is a perfect time to do it this week between Christmas and New Year's. Maybe I should try and book more guests who are always busy right now. It's true, right? Yeah. yeah. They're probably used to being busy and they don't know what to do with themselves because they have a whole week off. So they yes. do a perfect time to nap some people. <laughs> to do steal an hour of their time. So you have been back and forth directing projects. You just wrapped one for Apple, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me a little synopsis of who you are. Cause I know that you are an actor, a voice performer, a stunt coordinator, a director, you have your hands in all of the baskets. So give me a little synopsis in your own words of kind of who you are and what you do. Um, I'm a storyteller, I guess. And um, I love the story. I love stories most important to me. I grew up without a television, reading a lot of books. And so that determines a lot of what I do is story. And sometimes there's a story that's being told and there's different ways that I can best serve it. Sometimes the best way for me to serve a story is to stunt coordinate it. Um, sometimes the best way to serve it is to um, produce it or direct it. It just matters. What matters to me is that story is being told. So I guess that's why I do so many different things, um, because sometimes I'll read a script and say, there's no way that I would ever direct this. This is not my style, but it's so good. And I really need somebody to. So let me see what I can do to help get this story made in another way. Um, so I, I guess that's that's what sums me up. That's why I've done so many random things. I've been trying to figure it out because my whole life, everyone's always telling you just do one thing, concentrate on one thing, become good at just one thing. I don't. I don't like that. I'm so, such a big fan of that. <laughs> so I've decided the one thing I'm good at is getting stories made and told. Mm. And there's just different ways of doing that. Yeah. Oh, I think that's beautiful. I, I often talk with actors about the financial feasibility of being an actor and how you kind of do need to also be good at something else. So you can financially support this until people pay you to do the one thing yeah. you want to do. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. 
I know you originally, you were born in Santa Fe. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's where yeah. you're from. Yeah. And then when you made your way into this acting world, did you, did you, you originally started out as an actor or that's kind of the, the lane you came from? Is that correct? Or where did you? That's, that's more or less the lane I came from. I okay. mean, I, I, I was, even as a kid was writing plays and directing them. And, um, uh, but at first the main thing that I did was acting and, I think the reason is, is that I never really saw women doing anything else. And so it didn't really occur to me. And I love acting and I loved, I love telling stories in that way. But the the more that I did it, the more I realized there's so much other ways of, of doing it. And so, um, but that's originally, you know, even as a kid, that's where I started out. Yeah. Did you ever struggle as you changed uh, lanes multiple sure. times and found your things? Because I think a lot of times we envision our lives in one way and it's like, I'm going to be an actor and this is what it's going to look like when you started to do other things. Also, did you, was there any internal struggle with yourself as an actor of not committing to one thing or giving up or anything like that? That's such an awesome question. Um, yeah, of course there is because, because you, first of all, it's, you're being told, like we said earlier, always being told, commit to one thing, just do one thing. Don't do anything else. Be good at one thing. Don't be a jack of all trades, master of none, you know? Um, and I don't, I don't think that's true. I think all the different trades help each other. Um, once I started doing more producing, I definitely became a better actor because I definitely understood um, how all the pieces worked and I understood how to best do my job. But I also then was empowered going into the rooms that I was auditioning in because I was like, I've been on that side of the table. I know what you guys are thinking and I know the best way to handle the situation, right? Mm-hmm. You also know not to take it personally. You also know that everything else is happening. So, but at first you have that doubt. Am I doing this because I'm failing at it? Am I venturing into something else? Cause I failed at the one thing that I thought I wanted to do. Right. Shiny like, object syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and the self doubt of it, like everyone says, just do something, one thing. Well, if I can't just do one thing, does that mean that I may, I failed at the one thing that I wanted to do. Right. But I don't think that's the case at all. You're definitely going to have that self doubt because you see the people who show up and the next day have this meteor rise to fame. But the other thing that I have found is I remember when I moved to town, I met this guy who was in my acting class. He, he had been in class. He had been in town a month. He had a famous girlfriend, like super uber famous, uber, uber, uber famous girlfriend. And he just met her at a bar or something. And they started dating <laughs> uber famous. Great. Um, I booked the lead of a movie, um, had moved in with this girlfriend. And then there was something else that had happened that was just so dumb. Oh, we had ended up with an agent at CAA within a month of being in town. Right. So what we all think is like the dream. Right. Right. But but then his girlfriend dumped up, broke up with him. The movie didn't go and his agent dumped him and he didn't know what to do with it. So he left town and that was the end of it. So within six months, this guy had gone straight to the top, straight to the bottom and left town because he didn't know what it was like to have that roller coaster ride, which you will always have. You know, and so there is something to having been through that roller coaster ride to know how to separate yourself from it and how to survive it. Because I don't care how famous you get, you're always going to have that roller coaster ride. Someone was just telling me the story about like how he was in on a pitch meeting with Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg was pitching a movie. This was like five years ago. So like height of career that you know, nobody else could ever achieve. And they said no to him. See, in my head, 
he just says words and people just do them. Like I right? wasn't aware people still say no to him. <laughs> people still say no to him. And so it's, and, and, and he's had, you know, he's had a crazy career and I don't think he's had many people say no to him. Um, but if he hadn't dealt with some no's, then how on, how on earth could he have continued to con- climb? So, so there is something to the struggle. I think the struggle is really important and the analogies of the butterflies and the cocoon. And have you, have you heard that? Somebody was telling me that recently and I thought it was beautiful. I uh, I don't think so. That some, that there was a story of a little girl who had seen a butterfly struggling to get out of the cocoon and she had helped it along and opened up the cocoon for it. And then the butterfly couldn't fly because the actual struggle of coming out of the cocoon is actually what stimulates the the muscles and all of the fibers in the butterfly so it can fly and so by having no effort coming out of that cocoon the butterfly actually then was underdeveloped um and i just thought that was beautiful and i think that's a lot of things the people that i have seen who have struggled um when they hit success they know how to deal with it and the people i've seen who have not struggled when they hit failure have no clue yes and i i think it's so important to do it when you're in a beginner stage when you're failing at non-union indie movies that you don't even really like the script for because you can still be sad and hurt but it's also like the the higher you go the higher the fall yeah and if you've never fallen it's so true it hurts every single time every single time yeah absolutely and so I think I think it's really important and also like I've done some really crap movies but I always find amazing people yeah, you know, like you always yeah. find that you that will then that oh, those planting those seeds always pays off, and so just constantly making that climb, no matter what, I'm saying yes that everything that doesn't put you in danger or compromise your moral code, mm-hmm. I highly recommend. Do you feel like the people you met in your earlier days have also been along your career ride in different capacities? I have a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them know a lot. A lot of people fall out. Um, a lot of them I hope to never cross paths with again. Not a lot. Mm-hmm. There's three. There's three people I hope to never cross Ooh, paths with three, again. What very specific number. <laughs> <laughs> I get along with a lot of people if you're on that <laughs> list. Um, but uh, I, one of my dearest friends in the world that I met doing a student film when I first moved out here, like a UC, USC student film. And we're, and we were just talking about it the other day. We were, we were playing college kids and now our kids play together. And it was just, and she's amazing. I try to emphasize to actors how often it is that the people you meet, not just when you're on a set or doing something that feels like it's for your career, are often the people who end up being part of your path. Like somebody you bartended with or, you know, somebody you just worked a side job with or they were your neighbor or something like that. How that all matters in in the grand scheme of things, even if you think it does. And just- to be a good human. (laughs) Oh dear God, just be a good human. I mean, like, don't, don't be a doormat. Don't, don't let people take advantage of you. Don't, don't give more than you're physically capable of giving. You obviously have to take care of yourself and put your own oxygen mask on first, but just being a decent human pays off so, so much, you know? Um, And it doesn't matter if, if it's your waiter or if it's um, your, your, I mean, it doesn't matter just being decent to other human beings. It has always paid off. And just recently when I was up for this job, I didn't even realize, but I was an unknown entity. I shouldn't have been, I shouldn't have gotten this job. Not I shouldn't have gotten this job. Normally people with a lot more specific credits get the job that I was up for. And 
I was on set and um, one of the executives came over to me and she goes, I don't know if you have a muffin list. And I went, what? And she said, a muffin list, a muff- muffin basket list. She's like a list of people that you send like muffin baskets to. And I said, I don't. And she goes, well, you need to create one. And then she proceeded to show me a list of people um, who had all written me letters of recommendation. And there were people that I met like five years ago, 10 years ago, and hadn't talked to since, but all vouched for me which is how I ultimately got this job because they liked what I had to say. They liked my pitch. They liked the work that I had done, but I still, none of these people who were hiring me had worked with me and I was an unknown entity to them. And so they reached out to the people they knew who knew me, who had met me 10 years ago and I hadn't talked to since. And these people all wrote letters of recommendation for me, unbeknownst to me, to vouch for me. And it's because, because of relationships and teach, treating people with respect and kindness as much as I can throughout my career. And that's how it pays off, you know? And some of these people were like my agent's assistants at the time, but now run freaking companies. <laughs> now executives. Yes. But I treated them like a human, not like an assistant. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, and that and that's one of the things they said. They said I was just the assistant to the assistant to the assistant. And she still always knew my name and said, Hey, how are you? And she's like, and they even said that, and like, what I didn't get to read all the letters. I wish I had. <laughs> but some of the ones that I saw, I was just like, oh, see, you never yeah. know. Yes. And you never also, know. I and hope you now have a whole whole list. And, I, and I, yeah, now I have a whole list of muffins. I got to send that. <laughs> um, and, and I have a friend who used to bartend with a guy. I used to bartend together. And one of those bartenders became an agent. And now the agent represents my friend. And now like they have a great relationship and it's a guy that he has been in the trenches with bartending, right? Bartending's being in the trenches. (laughs) They've been in the trenches together bartending. So now he's got this amazing relationship with his agent who sends him out and believes in him on a whole deeper level. So yes, kindness always. Oh, kindness and respect always, always. That's also just a lovely way of explaining that the relationships you make with the people you're going to work with in terms of representation and other capacities uh, are often not the standard way. Like sending an email with your headshot and resume is not necessarily the way I tell actors all the time. Just, just keep doing your good work. I promise you'll find it like that type of stuff will happen. And I swear no one believes me. (laughs) I'm like, I swear find your person. You just have to continue to play the game. Yeah. You're, no, you're absolutely right. Because the other thing is, is when you send your headshot and resume, I'm not saying don't do it. Mm -hmm. Obviously don't do it. But, but the chances of them being invested in you on a deep level to go to bat for you is much less based on a headshot and a resume and a meeting they've had. But if they've been in the trenches with you bartending, if they went and saw you do a, a play, if, if one of their clients was in a short that you produced that you're both starring in. Like these are the different ways that you might meet representation that will believe in you in a much deeper way because you're coming from to them at a, from a position of power and showing your art, right? And that's that's the most important thing. You're not coming from a place of of begging. You're not coming from a place of like I'm just a headshot and a resume because you're so much more than that. Coming from a place of relationship. Yeah. And, and self-worth. And that's, and that's, yeah. It means so much more. Yeah. What does your team look like now? Because you have so many different things that you work on. How do you have representation for your different aspects? What is, what does that look like for you? I have a voiceover agent, a motion capture um, video game agent. Okay. And then I have um, a directing agent who also represents me for writing as well. 
Okay. Um, stunts, doesn't, you don't have agents as a stunt person usually. Um, and then my uh, directing for video games is, I don't really have an agent for that either. So there's some things that are not, you know, uncharted territories, but for the most part, it's, it's just voiceover and video games and uh, directing. I don't really do on camera anymore. How do you get those types of agents? Like, how do you get a directing agent? That was through a referral. Okay. My friend who was with them said, you should really meet with her. And I met with them. And, and, and that's another great way of doing it. Because mm-hmm. if you're usually other clients, referrals don't carry a lot of weight mm-hmm. for some reason, but this client happened to be a pretty remarkable client. Um, so when she said, pay attention to her and her agent mm-hmm. listened. Did you have a lot of credits under your belt at that point? I had done a feature, a bunch of, sh- and a bunch of sh- shorts. Okay. And I had directed a season of an animated mocap show. Got it. Okay. So I had done, I done some stuff. Um, and that's how you went on to, is that the agent who helped you get like legacies and Kung Fu? No, that was the Warner Brother program. Whoa. Okay. Tell me about yeah. that. What, what is yeah. That? So I did the Warner Brother directing workshop, okay. which I loved. It was, it was such a gift. And then through that program, you're gifted um, one episode, not gifted, you're guaranteed one episode of television. So to get into the program, one of the showrunners of the shows have to say, yes, I will guarantee them an episode of, on my show. So Martin Garrow from Blindspot agreed to give me an episode of Blindspot, which was amazing and life-changing. And then by the end, by the time I got to the end of the program, um, Julie Pleck also said I could have an episode. So I ended up with two episodes by the time I got through the program, which was unbelievable. How did you find um, this? I don't know anything. How do you find this program? It's, it's out there. Um, I think they need to, we need to get the word out about it. They have it for writing and they have it for directing. So it's a Warner Brother directing program and the, uh, for te- directing for television and the Warner Brother TV writing program. Okay. It's, it's fantastic. If you Google it, it'll come up, but it, I, I don't know how much. Yeah. We'll link as much as we can that we can find about it in the show notes yeah, for everyone. Yeah. And, and the people That's who incredible. run it are, are brilliant and it was, it was such a gift. Um, and then, so from, and then, so I got blind spot and then, which is Martin. And then I got, um, legacies, which is Julie Pleck. And then, um, I just kept going back to legacies and then I got Roswell, which is also Julie Pleck. Um, so they all kind of connected to each other. And then Martin went off to do Kung Fu. So then I moved on to Kung Fu. So again, it's relationships, right? So yes. like once, once people show that you will, you are dependable, hardworking and kind, yes. they keep calling you back. I would love to talk about what it's like to come in to direct an episode of a television show that's already established. Yeah, sure. How, what is the prep work for that? How do you go into that? Because as actors, we always feel like we're coming on set, especially as co-star and guest stars. It's like, I always liken it to you're going to someone else's home. So like you're coming in and you have to immediately be like, do I take my shoes off? Do I drop this wine in the kitchen? Where do I take it? Yeah. And you're like, figure out where you're at. And I right. tell actors all the time, like, listen, the directors, most of the time, they're also in someone else's house and they're also yeah. figuring out how to function. So how do you- and Even more so you're in somebody else's house at Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's on top of not only like, do I take my shoes off or do I not take my shoes off? But it's like, oh, which one's the crazy uncle that I have to avoid? <laughs> and how and, do I work this double oven? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And how do they eat their turkey? Mm-hmm. And oh, grandma's nuts. Okay. <laughs> Great to know. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Don't make eye contact with dad. It's all kinds of like all the family dynamics. You're coming into an established family dynamics and you have no idea. Directors have a little bit more of a leeway because, and a little bit more of a cheat sheet, but it's very similar. The analogy I use is that the TV show is a speeding train going at full speed. Mm -hmm. I have 10 days of prep 
on an hour show. You have 10 days of prep to run is eight days of prep. You get eight days of prep to run as fast as you possibly can to catch up to the speed of the train. Your first day of shooting, you throw yourself onto the train and hope you hold on. Then you're on top of the train, climbing to the front of the train for the 10 days that you're shooting. On your eighth day, you land on the conductor seat. You go, oh, oh, this is the train. And they go, and that's a wrap on America Young. And they shove you out and you tuck and roll and you move on to the next one. So it's, it's, it's definitely a dead sprint from the entire time because you, but but you're given cheat sheets in terms of like grandma and dad and mom and how to make the cook. Like they give you the cheat sheets as you're going through it to figure it out. But you're, you know, you're, you're dealing with all the different departments and making a tons of different choices and you are in somebody else's house. So you want to make their, their Thanksgiving, but you want to make their Thanksgiving as great as you possibly can mm-hmm. with whatever they have in their cupboards, right? Yeah. But you can only use what's in their cupboards and be respectful to the house that you're in. So it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very similar analogy. Um, one thing that I will say to actors, and I think a lot of actors miss this when they're on TV shows, mm. the directors are the substitute teachers, right? Like we come in and we're trying really hard to do a very good job. The writers are the ones who this is their world. They're the ones who wrote these roles. They're the ones who are the producers on the show. So, so it's so often to me that it's, it's happened so often where a director will come up or an actor will come up to me and thank me, but then they won't say anything to the writer. Hmm. The writer's the one that actually hired you. I got a vote. I got a big vote. They were the one who actually made the call, right? They're the boss in this scenario. So always be respectful to the writer. You should be respectful to the writer and to everybody, no matter what, you should never discount anybody ever because everybody is working their butt off to make the best possible thing they possibly can. So kindness again to everybody, but in terms of like gratitude, the gratitude you need to show is to the writer slash producer. They're the ones who really got you the job. Yeah. And I'll fight for you as much as I possibly can. And I, and, and if you're there, it's because I voted for you. They, you know, it's usually we agree on things and, and, but, but they're the ones who made the final call. So in terms of true, honest gratitude, send your gratitude to the writer and the producer. Mm, that's such good information. That's so good. In, in terms of the audition process, how much of it for those type of shows do you typically see for like a guest star, for example? Just a quick interruption to let you guys know that the Working Actor Workshops for 2022 are officially open for registration. That means you can register now for a workshop that takes place in March, in June, or in October. All registration dates are listed and are open at onebrokeactress.com slash workshops. If you guys are new here, the Working Actor Workshop is intended to bridge the gap between your acting skills, deciding you want to act, thinking this is something you want to do, and actually working in a major market. We cover financing and side jobs, pursuing acting, getting reps, networking and relationships, having a life outside of the business, and of course, everyone's favorite, branding and headshots. This class is a two-day Zoom class each and every time it is held. It also includes bonus workshops with every single class. I am so freaking excited to open it up this time for next year because you can register now for a date in the future and you can join the payment plan and start paying it off now. So instead of paying the cost all at once, you can pay it off over four months at a time. And I made sure that the payment plan 
and the full price cost are the exact same. So that way there is no discrepancy between someone who wants to utilize a payment plan and pay it off slowly or someone who wants to pay for it all at once. This was really important to me because I know actor finances are all across the board. In fact, it's something we talk about a lot in the workshop. So if this is something you guys are interested in, I would sign up now. The workshops are definitely going to sell out. Just a heads up, the dates are pre-listed. In case something happens, let's say, cross your fingers, I book something. You will be invited. A slot will be opened up for you in the following workshop. So even if you can't accommodate the one that comes after, I will make sure you get access to a workshop one way or another, no matter what. So go ahead and get registered now, guys. OneBrokeActress.com slash workshops. I am so freaking excited to see you soon. Do you see initial calls or callbacks or, I mean, half the time we're not even doing callbacks anymore, but how much of that do you get to, to see? I feel like um, the, the casting directors pare it down. You know, I don't think we're getting all the auditions that are being sent in. We usually get about 10 to 15 people per role. Sometimes, sometimes more. Um, if you're dealing with series regulars, they'll, they'll do, they'll show you more. Um, and then everybody weighs in and they, everyone weighs in on their top three choices. The, the thing that I'm, I'm seeing though, which is really interesting is, is that I think it's out of respect to the actors but I think it's a misguided respect. A lot of the times they don't want to make the actors do a callback. So if they don't like what they saw, they'll be like, um, I really liked what she did. I just wish she had gotten a little bit more angry at this place, but um, let's see, let's, let's see what else we can bring in. I think it's out of respect to them. I, I, I think the intention is that like, we don't want to tell her that she didn't do a good job, or I, I don't know what it is, but it, it, it's not coming out of a heartlessness. It's not coming out of a callousness. Right. It's, it's just like, she was so close. All right. What else have we got? Right. Yeah. And so what I've been doing is I've been insisting on callbacks and, and they're totally, they're like, Oh yeah, great idea. They're totally supportive all about it. You know? And it is also interesting is that like, I, and I think coming from acting, it really helps that I can tell when there's something that's affecting them that they don't necessarily realize. Like if I'm in a, you're in a group of people, there's six or seven people, eight people, 10 people weighing in on an actor. And if, if I can tell, even though they're not really aware of it, that something as silly as somebody wearing red lipstick when the character would never wear red lipstick is turning them off. Mm-hmm. I, I can usually tell when they're like, I can't put my finger on it, but there's just something that's not right about it. And so on some of those times I've said, um, let's do a callback. And then I'll tell the agent or the casting director, tell the agent, tell her to do exactly what she did, but just don't wear the red lipstick. And then she'll come in and do exactly what she did. And they'll be like, fucking nailed it. Love her. Let's book her. And it's like, because, but it's only because I think I've been on the other side. And so yeah. I can understand that is an amazing actress. What do you mean? She didn't nail it. No, she nailed it. She's amazing. You don't, but sometimes you can't put your finger on what's not right about it. Right. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I want to say is that TV moves really, 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 really fast. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the sides that you get aren't always the role you're auditioning for. A lot of the time that's the case because casting directors and producers and writers are flying by the seat of their pants trying to make this and they don't necessarily have time to send out the sides or they'll send out sides and then the character gets completely rewritten by the time the actors audition for it. It's normal. It's just, it's the turnaround. I mean, how many times have you gotten an audition in which they're like, please be off book and have it sent to us by the end of the day? 
right? Yeah. Like it's like, there's a lot of oh shit moments. <laughs> oh shit. So, and that's not because anyone did their job badly. It's because they're trying to do the best possible job they can. Mm-hmm. So like, if you get an audition, even if you think you're so wrong for it, even if you read the sides and you're like, I am not 50 years old. <laughs> still audition, still do it. Even if it's like total granola girl and you've never played that in your life. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a curmudgeonly old man and you've never played that in your life. Like if you get audition, just do it and just do the best you you can do. Mm-hmm. Make the role the best possible you it can be because chances are, and I'm trying to see if there's a, there's a, there's a very specific example I want to give, but I don't want to give anything away. Okay. So this actually didn't happen on a TV show. This happened on something else that I'm not allowed to talk about yet, but I'm going to keep it generic. Okay. There was a role that they needed um, uh, a very sweet dude, a very sweet older man to play the role, but he has to be very smart. They didn't have the time to write the sides because it was a last minute character. So they sent outside for a crazy conspiracy nut, like a conspiracy, like QAnon type nut, right? So very different than what they actually needed, but the guys talked really big, really fast and used a lot of big words. And so they were like, it's close enough. So then, so there was, there were guys where like, they came, they had submitted and they were so fucking perfect for the role. Like you actually believed a hundred percent that they, these guys were conspiracy theorists, like no question. And then you had this one guy who was Santa Claus who auditioned and he was awful at the role, but he was so wonderful at exactly what we needed. Right. He got the part. And I could tell that when he got the scene, he was like, what is this? I, this is, I will never book this. Right. And you know, the guys who auditioned for it, who have lived their entire lives ready to play conspiracy theorists was like, yes, this is my job. And they didn't 100%. get it. Yeah. yeah. And they did phenomenal. Like they had the best auditions, but it wasn't the role. And there's just so much that you guys have no control over. Cause you have no idea. The only thing you can control is doing the best work you possibly can. And then some, somebody, and then the uh, producers are like, thank God she saw through the sides and did what we needed. Yeah. I think a lot of actors are having a small existential crisis right now listening to this because they're like, how the fuck am I going yeah. to know? Is yeah. there, is there anything that you would tell them about knowing that? Because I've gotten dummy sides before and I'm like, there's, I, I'm not going to play the mother of a 16 year old. Like I'm just, I'm not. And so I'm like, Hmm all right, well, this is me being the mother of a five-year-old and that's what I'll do because I can't be six, have a 16-year-old. And I, uh, sometimes I'm like, I don't know if this is in the ballpark at all, just, but I'll try to be based on the show and the genre that it lives in and just do my best me. But when it's that different, what advice would you give? Just do the best you can with it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's, what's here's what's really hard is that there's a lot of acting coaches out there and they're not wrong where they say the script has the job. So do what the script says, right? Like that's the number one thing they say. Does it say she laughs on this line? Then laugh on the line, right? Because the writers wrote that don't try to be different. So there, there, there are people who say that and they're not wrong because the script does have the job. However, sometimes it doesn't, you know, so, so all I can say is just do a good job and do, do the work, 
do what feels right for you. Do your best version of what this character is, even if it's so far off the mark. Your your adjustment for a five year old versus a sixteen year old is a is a great point, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and it, it's hard to know, but I, I guess I don't want to cause an existential crisis. But I guess, <laughs> I guess the thing is, is that like you got to let go, yeah. you know. And and I have I have a friend who is. Um, that's why I could describe him as like a sexy Doc Brown. Like he's such okay. a quirky <laughs> weirdo, but he's like, he's got like a vibe to him. And he'll, he, he does this all the time. He'll get a role for like a lab tech and he'll go, I'm not going to play a lab tech. Like, look at me. There's no way I would ever look like a nerdy, like push it around lab tech. But he was like, all right. So he played the role. Like he would play the role, which is like this, edgy, weird, extra, super smart guy. And they, the, the casting called him in and goes, you're never going to play a lab tech. And he was like, yeah, they go, but you are going to be our bad guy for the season. That's okay. So that's my question. Then the guys who did the conspiracy theory scene and they just like nailed it. Do they stick in your brain a little bit for the next time that role exists? Yeah. And they stuck in the producer's mind. And I, I just had that recently happen on a casting where we were down to two guys. Both guys were spectacular, mm. but one guy needed to be one way. One guy needed to be a little bit more submissive. And the other guy was just too fucking charismatic. Mm. And it didn't matter how many times we tried to get him to dot tile. He just wasn't capable of not. <laughs> I totally, I read lines <laughs> with my husband and he is just so confident. Yeah. He can't be unconfident which is a gift from god but also he cannot read lines correctly for unconfident no no and that's exactly it like you can't you're there's an essence that comes through that sometimes you can't argue so we gave it to the submissive guy but the guy who was just so confident they were like oh my god he'd be perfect for this role later on and they said to casting remind us about him when we get to this episode great so it totally happened It totally happens. There's a lot that's happening. And there's, there's been, there's been um, characters that have showed up in season one of legacies that they pull back, they pull in and season like, I just worked with a character on on legacies for season four, that hadn't been in the show since season one. That's a dream. Yeah, they liked her so much. They were like, we have to Oh, 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 what if we use so and so? Finally, we have an opportunity. But there's so many moving pieces. It's really hard to, to keep that. So one of the best things you could possibly do, just stay in front of them. How do you recommend doing so without being overbearing? Um, by not demanding anything. So a perfect example is there's an actor who emails me like every three or four months. And um, uh, I met him on a, in a mocap class that I was teaching uh, and I had said to people in the class, keep in touch with me. Let me know you're up to. None of them did except for him. And every three or four months, I get an email from him. And he goes, hey, I just saw this show you directed. This is what I liked about it. I hope you're awesome. Bye. That's it. Yeah. I've, I don't think I've ever responded to him, but I have recommended him for a shit ton of work. Oh, because he's always amazing. in the front time in my mind, right? Yeah. I remembered him from class. He was great in class. And he's always right there in my head. He doesn't demand anything of me. He doesn't require a response from me. He just sends me a nice compliment, a nice thought, well thought out personal compliment. This is what I liked. This is why. And then, and then usually within a couple of days, I'll get an email from someone saying, hey, I'm looking for someone for this. And I'll be like, oh, you know who's great? This guy. 
Wow. And it's, well, it's personal, which I think is what's important about what you're saying. Yeah. Cause I, I used to get caught up in like, I should be sending an actor newsletter every month, but it doesn't work for me. It felt like too blankety. It felt like it wasn't like yeah. it was busy work. It wasn't solving a problem. So I think this is a much nicer way of, of just being a real, a real human, human which is who you are. Human right? Like that's who you are. There's no trumpet involved. It's just, and, and we're all artists and we all love getting positive feedback. All of us. (laughs) Don't we? Don't we? I think I I love it so much. I think I I don't want to skip over the fact that when I Google you, what comes up is like badass stunt coordinator stuff. And then like the voice of Barbie. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get here? It's incredible. Thanks. Um, I just really like stories and I just say yes to a lot of stuff and I get really obsessive about things. Um, Barbie, I mean, Barbie, Barbie was the last thing I expected ever in a million years. Um, I got it in a very roundabout way, but uh, it's been, that's been amazing because the people that I work with at Mattel are so dead set on doing good role model stuff. Like they're so... It's so important to them. I watched a bunch of them and I was like, this is really quality topics. Like this is not, you watch the vlog because that's, yeah. 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 I watched some clip stuff of the vlog. I was like, this is, these are good issues. These are good topics. Yeah. And they, and they are open to me bringing stuff to them. So like the, I'm sorry vlog, which is my favorite thing that we've done, um, was one that I brought up to them. And I was like, I think women apologize too much for no reason. And they were like, oh, that's good. And then Julia Pister, who was writing them at the time, who's like legit real deal. Like she's phenomenal. Um, she, she wrote it out and then we shot it and I directed it. It was one of the ones I directed. And uh, it resonated with so many people. Like, and it felt so good. And we talk about depression and we talk about bullying and we talk about different types of bullying. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk like, not just like being mean, but like when people try to force you to do things that you know are wrong. And like, we talk about some deep shit on that Barbie vlog. And I'm so <laughs> proud of it. Oh, I'm so, so proud cool. of it. And it was so interesting because we were doing the vlog kind of over here and then they were doing a bunch of other Barbie content over here, a little bit more traditional Barbie stuff, you know, like really fun, sweet, good role model stuff, but it wasn't quite as like marketing. <laughs> and then they did a test and they found out what they tested parents and kids that they really, they related to the Barbie and the vlog the most, who was fallible, who stuttered and made mistakes and giggled and snorted when she laughed and like that's who they loved you know instead of this other you know version of her which was still wonderful but just different and so then they started branching out then Mattel went great and then they started branching out from that and then they've made all this incredible content um which is so fun and they're so open to it and there's been there's been times where I'll read something in a script and I'll say I know what you meant to do with this just so you know this is how it might come across would you be open to us saying this instead? Because I feel like that's more inclusive and they'll go hundred percent. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Have you always been this confident? No. Am I this confident now? Yeah. <laughs> On this video call, you're killing it. <laughs> no, I mean, there's a lot of uncharted territory we're constantly in you know, and, and especially as an artist and you're, especially as a guest artist, either as a director or as an actor, you never know. You're, you know, you never know what the hell is going on ever. 
and you just kind of have to know who you are because that's your only compass that you have, you know? Yeah. That's beautiful. How you also have, how old is your, it's your daughter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how old is she? Four. So you have a four-year-old, mm-hmm. you're doing lots of voiceover work. You have directing, you're, you're all over the place. How do you manage your day-to-day life and routines in some capacity so that you're able to do this? Cause also stunt coordinating is not something you can sit on the couch for six weeks and then get up and do. You have to be mobile. You have to be somewhat in shape. You have to know, stay up to date. How do you, how do you, what's your routine or schedule? If you there have is no routine, yeah. every single day, either the night before or the morning of my husband and I are like, all right, who's doing what, you know, there is no routine, which, yeah. which gets problematic in terms of like, just going to the doctor, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, just general, like life, yeah. getting your yeah. tires changed taxes. <laughs> taxes. I can't believe it's almost time for that again. <laughs> I, know. I know we're trying to figure out a better different system, but like, yeah, there is no routine. And, yeah. and, um, and that gets, that gets exhausting to never have a routine to never like know that, you know, my friend, I have a friend who's a teacher in Nebraska and like every Thursday night they have game night. And I'm just like, Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Friends. Wait, seeing people on a consistent basis, <laughs> especially with COVID things have been crap, but like yeah. even before that, you know, my schedule is nuts. I never get to see the people that I really like and care about. I just try to work with them. It's the only way I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> does it, uh, does it feel like if you, if I would have told you all the accolades and all of the things that you're at right now, does it feel like that when you wake up in the morning or does it feel like you wake up and you just start your life? Just start, wake up and start your life. Yeah. There was a video that we watched recently that was really interesting about how like we as humans will never achieve happiness because we're constantly moving the goal, goal pole. Uh, the, goal, the goal post. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I don't do sports. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously. Uh, <laughs> okay, it's like the one thing you don't do will allow it. <laughs> Got him singing, you know, and everything. Um, so uh we, we always move the goalpost. So even the, the, the minute you've achieved your life goal, you're already like, all right, what's next? Like you're, you're never sitting here going, oh my God, I did it. We never allow it, especially in this industry, right? Because it can always go away like that. And I remember specifically like as an actor, yeah, I booked the, yeah, I got a callback. I'm going to celebrate when I booked the job. Yeah, I booked the job. I'm going to celebrate when I'm on set. Yeah, I'm on set. I'm going to celebrate when the check clears. Yeah, the check cleared. I'm going to celebrate when I don't get cut out. Yep. Yeah, it didn't get cut out. Oh, that was seven months ago. I don't know what I'm celebrating anymore. What's next? Right. And so it's it's really hard to celebrate and, and it's really hard to ever feel like you've accomplished anything when every time you've accomplished something that's already behind you and you're already worried about the next task. So that's something I need to work on for mm-hmm. sure. That's something I haven't quite um, figured out yet. Yeah. It's a nice reminder because oftentimes... I personally feel like I live in a, a gentle level of chaos, just simmering under the surface. And I, I try to quote unquote control it as best I can with like a morning routine that involves getting up at 5 a.m. I do not have kids. I only have dogs. So I can like fully put them away or put them wherever I need to. <laughs> and, you know, I have all these things that I try to like, okay, I have a nighttime thing I do and I have a morning thing I do. And then the rest of the day is just like, a wash. Everything's just out of my control. And I yeah. keep telling myself, and I think, so this will come out in uh, early February. And as things start to happen, I think we're often just trying to control 
and mitigate and feel like if we have a routine, if we have control, if we figure things out, then everything's going to feel fine. So it's really nice to see someone as accomplished as you, who's just working so hard to, to know that it's also just a gentle level of chaos and you can just kind of live in it. Yeah. And it's, and I love that expression, gentle level. It's not always gentle. It's not. Always um, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not always gentle, but yeah, you do just have to live in it. And there's a part of you that just has to like let go. I mean, there are days where I think the dream job is a job you don't care about. There are days when you're so downtrodden and you're so discouraged and you're so exhausted that you're just like, if I could just have a job that I could clock into in the morning and clock into clock out at night and then stop thinking about it. Yeah. That actually sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Not creatively fulfilling, but that's fine. Like, you know, I, I always to, joke. I could have game night. Yeah. I always joke. There's days I wake up and I'm like, God, I just wish I wanted to be an accountant and have like a busy couple months and then just do my work and come home and cook dinner yeah. and call it a yeah. day. And it's then I try, these are the times that I try to really appreciate that I don't have a massive level of success yet. So I technically can finish work and go cook dinner. Right. I have the things that I sometimes wish that I had. And I know as things advance, I will miss the things that I have right now. So sometimes I have to mentally check awesome. that exact scenario. Yeah. That's incredibly wise and grounded of you. Yeah. He's trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're coming off of Christmas break. I've had a lot of sleep actually, in a couple of weeks. Oh, is there anything else you want to leave us with? This has been so lovely and you've shared so much with actors. Anything else you'd like actors listening or all across the spectrum of the entertainment business to know? Yeah. And this is something I think actors have heard, but I really want them to hear. Um, The people on the other side of that table really want you to get the job. They really want you to get the job. Um, Your job, your job as an actor is to not get the job. Your job as an actor is to go in and just have fun and do the best possible version of the scene you possibly can, because you have no way of anticipating what's happening behind them behind the table. You don't know that you remind somebody of their girlfriend from high school and therefore they will never hire you because of it. Um, you don't know that you were a better actor than the lead actor, but you look too much alike. So they can't put you in a scene together because you'll outshine the lead actor. You don't know the fact that you wore red lipstick turns them off when the rest of your performance was brilliant. You have no idea. Go in, do your best possible version of it. Get out of your head, which is the most impossible thing to ever ask someone to do, but get out of your head because they want it so bad. There's been so many times where an actor will walk in the room and will be like, she's perfect. She hasn't opened her mouth yet. And then you see her or him tripping over themselves with self-doubt and botching their own audition. And then you try to give them a redirection and then they're so stuck in their head that they think that the redirection means that they messed up, that they don't just get out of your own way because you're in the room because you're talented and you're in the room because you have something to offer and you are a gift and you are a bad actor. <laughs> There's nothing worse. And when you're trying to make your day and like, don't, you're not that, just know that you're not that and know that you're amazing and know that, that they desperately want you to get the job because it makes their lives so much easier when you get the job. So just go in and have fun and do your best possible work and don't worry about what they're thinking because you can't control that at all. America, this has been lovely. Uh, Is there anything or any projects you want to direct people to or any place online you want to send people to? I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll add your social media and all that good okay. stuff and, Great. Yeah. and all the things I, I i post the stuff i'm working on on there um i'm really excited about surfside girl for apple which will be coming out i believe this summer um and um my feature which hopefully will be coming out very soon and um i love working on legacies that show and roswell those shows are crazy but so fun so check those shows out great group of people Amazing. um yeah I don't think I'm all talking about anything else. So I won't. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. We'll add all your good stuff in the show notes too, if anything comes out in the meantime. And thank you so much for your time today. This was absolutely lovely. Thanks so much, Sam. You're a great interviewer.